0: Hello and welcome to the Almost 30 Podcast. Welcome, my friends. It's Lindsay and Krista. If you're new to the pod, let me give you a big hug. Welcome. This is a this is a great place. This is be. a safe space. <laughs> this is a safe space for you to be yourself. Um I actually don't know how many. I gotta say, it's like when you listen to podcasts, you don't necessarily feel that like community ping. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're one of the few.
1: So mm-hmm. proud of them. Got that community vibe. We've been doing this for a while. We're all about spirituality, wellness, and really just like embodying it all. And that's yeah. why I'm Truth. so excited about our conversation today. It was so lovely. We got to sit with Taryn Toomey of the class and we've been huge fans of the class for a long time. Natalie Kuhn, who is VP at the class, was on four or five years ago. Yes. Maybe five,
0: right in the beginning. in our In the... Old studio that yes. they locked us out of.
1: <laughs> we we got a studio free. We like pitched them for this studio space. And then they eventually started locking us out of it. That was hilarious. <laughs> that was not very like... That's not cool. My dream would be used to be voice. a person now that's like, hey, I'm feeling like... I'm experiencing that you don't want us here anymore. Yes. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Completely. I uh, It was awesome. The other day at Juice <laughs> Press, I actually... I was like, this could be entitled or this could be helpful. But the person working was having a hard time because there was a woman that was, um, she had a son. She was trying to figure out what to get for her son. Mm. So she was kind of asking, and it was something where the person was answering the questions but not being clear about it. And then I ordered and I got the wrong thing. And she's like, oh, I just assumed this. And I was like, you know, sometimes your life gets harder if you're not, you know, communicating fully what you're feeling or what sort of, in an example with this is like, you have to communicate like what, You're thinking is going to happen or confirm. Mm -hmm. And even with the woman, I'm like, if you would have come out and explained to her, then she wouldn't have asked you so many questions that seem annoying. Yes. I feel like we so often get in that position where you're like, you actually don't realize that you're creating
0: the annoyance that you're Mm -hmm. experiencing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So often, so often. And it's, it's almost this like unconscious state. 100. You know, you're really not either listening to the person and then also like really listening to yourself. Yes. It's like, it's almost like parroting in a way. And sometimes you got to like stop the train. I know. You're like, hold up. And the assumption thing is so, I've been noticing where I'm making little assumptions. I'm like, whoa, whoa. There's like, there's just more truth to be discovered when you either ask more questions or get a little more curious or get a little more quiet rather than just like, Assuming, because I feel like assumptions like set you on autopilot, and then you're just like la la la, and then something blows up,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then someone loses it, and you freak out. Um, I just I loved in this conversation with Taryn because I felt the beings coming. Yes, there was one moment where I was like, oh, mm-hmm. people, things are here. Yep, like I was like, oh, we're we're not alone in this, and that will happen oftentimes with Lindsay and I when we're in these interviews. It's definitely like things are happening in the ether. And I very much felt that. I was like, oh, there's beings here that are very much in conversation with us here today.
0: Yeah, whenever that happens, I always have this like conscious thought or conscious feeling of like, you can relax even more. Like there's just kind of this like comfort and safety because I've definitely been in interviews we've done where I'm by my own accord, just kind of like, Anxious or uptight or a little bit nervous or something like that. And I was so thankful going into this conversation with Taryn um, that one, I wasn't feeling that. But two, just something about listening and responding that was happening that was like very, ooh, it was so Yummy is not the word I want to use, but I'm going to use it. Mm -hmm. It was just like, oh, this is what I want more of. And the listening piece, you know, is something that we've learned to do really well over the years. I don't necessarily practice it in every moment of my day, but it always reminds me in these types of conversations where I'm like, wow, Mm -hmm. the art of listening is quite the art.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm a bomb ass listener.
0: It's like my
1: number one gift. I actually can't not listen. And actually, I kind of have been working on not listening so hard because Mm -hmm. I'm listening so hard that I'm sometimes I abandon myself completely. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't even, it's almost like I'm fully in them and not me. Yeah. And I almost lose myself. I listen so much. Um, But I do feel like, and that's my trigger for me. If people, I don't feel like people are listening. And that happens all the time. And not Mm -hmm. that I'm saying I'm perfect. I listen all the time because I'm definitely not. But I, we each have our gifts, and sometimes though, because those can show the shadow trigger parts of us, where it's like I felt like I, no one listened to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like, yeah, I was, I, I know, no one understood or ever listened to me when I was younger. So that's like really my gift is to yes. be that listener. But it is hard when you feel like people aren't listening to you. Yes, I mean you're like, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm, but for totally. a lot of people, it's
0: just continuing the dance. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. we're going to continue mm-hmm. the dance, act like we're listening, we're not even listening. I've been starting to think about like, you know, whenever I feel that way with someone, I'm like, not that it's an excuse, but it's like, oh, I feel bad for them. Mm -hmm. I feel bad. You know, it's like, yes, I don't feel good, but it's also like, I feel bad for them. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. it's really not mine to fix, but also there's moments like of really almost like cutting the energy where it's like, hey, my experience right now is that I feel like... Not connecting, or I don't feel heard right now. And is that, does that feel true to you? You know, like it, there's ways that I definitely don't do that.
1: Much. I know, honestly, there's ways to cut the energy. That's what we do in our heads.
0: <laughs> yeah. The Aaron Rose, our coach,
1: you know, always says, like, I'm experiencing you as, or like, you know, it's not, it's making an I statements where it's like, you can kind of pull up a little bit and be like, I'm having this experience mm-hmm. of you that feels standoffish or feels whatever. But I also too notice, it's like, I'm such a good listener in quotes. And then also when people, I feel like people aren't listening to me, it can be super triggering in a way that's more defeatist than mad. Mm-hmm. But I also notice at times when I start to speak, if I'm speaking about something related to me or my life, I get defeated already mm-hmm. where I kind of lose steam. Yes. Like I'm just kind of like, yeah, like people are like, so what's going on with you? I'm like, um, so there, you know, I can't totally. even, I don't even have words for what, I'm feeling or what I'm doing or what I'm going through or what, like if people ask like, what's going on with you guys? I'm like, what's going on with us? I know. I, you know, I'm like, oh, we're talking everything. That's in my head. I'm like, oh, we're talking about us. Like who's, who's me? Like, you know what I mean? I like lose myself so much. And, Oftentimes, that's like a good thing, but also I do want to get to the point where it's like maybe I'm having enough alone time where I can kind of check in and know the truth, maybe every day alone yes, in prayer.
0: completely. Of like,
1: oh, this is what's going on with me. Completely. You know, that kind of check in, like I'm feeling tired or I'm feeling restless or I'm feeling like this. And then also the reminder of in the three dimensional sense, like this is what's going on with me emotionally in 5D and this is what's going on with me in 3D. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, feeling, mm-hmm. I'm feeling exhausted. I'm feeling but inspired at the same time. And like 3D, it's like, we have a lot of interviews right now mm-hmm. and we're working on this and we're working on this. So I think it could be that balance where I can sort of check in because I noticed that when people are like, how are you? I'm like, what? Who's me? Yeah. I'm like,
0: who are you talking to? Like, yeah, who are- know. <laughs> Who's here? And it's also, yeah, it's like that disconnect from like, let me ask
1: her. Yes. <laughs> and then also giving yourself permission, you know, hand over your heart, like, hmm, I want to answer that with truth. Mm-hmm. Yes. I would love to answer your question with truth
0: and I'd love a second. Yes. Yeah, Terem was talking a little bit about truth in this conversation and just how, how good it feels. And, and that seems obvious, but it's like, no, when you speak truth, yes, it's one, you don't have to worry about remembering what you said because it was truth. You relate to that deeply. Well, yeah, cause little a, Lindsay. Yeah, little Lindsay who lied all. The time. <laughs> I know you relate to that deeply. We're going to the movies with Sharon. <laughs> I was like with Bobby. Um, no, but it's like it's so true. Yeah. But I think we we even the little lies of like, yeah, I'm great, and no. you're not, or or it's more complex than great, and you're just like. It's like those little ways in which you're just like dampening the truth of what really is. And also like robbing someone of the connection experience with you. So yeah, I loved love that. I love too when we were talking about
1: like shadow a little bit and how shadow is this. She was talking about shadow being the rest. Mm-hmm. Shadow is the slowing down. Like shadow is yes. that piece and you... It's very meta, but you understand it. Yes. You're like, wow, that's very true. And then it also, you know, she was talking a little bit about shadow work and it reminded me and she reminded me of within duality, there's also the joy. So it's like the light work. Mm -hmm. And I actually feel like that gets overlooked as much as people would think with our perception online of social media, of like toxic positivity and like love and light, being fake, all these stuff. I'm like, Actually, where's the light work of like the joy, the laughter, the play? Mm-hmm. How are we coming together in community or how are we making that as important of a practice as the shadow work? Yeah. Because I feel like shadow work has definitely become something that people are talking about, people are doing on a daily basis, people are integrating. Who knows how much truth is there to that? Mm-hmm there's still a lot of shadow up in here. Um, But I just was like, wow, there's a really a need for like talking about the light work.
0: Yes. too, talking about that other piece and they go so hand in hand. Yeah, I think there's like a, there's an addiction to the shadow of, because then, and she also talked about just kind of like the shadow as somewhat of an anchor. She also talked about Mm -hmm. the masculine as an anchor, but there's like a, yeah, because if not, we would just fly mm-hmm. off into freaking outer space, mm-hmm. you know? So there's an aspect yeah. of that, but yeah, the joy and the light and... Because what? who would we be if we focused on the light? Yeah. Or gave more focus to yeah. the light and the joy, like who would be we be? And I think so many people, and I say this with compassion because I've, I've felt this and I feel this, that like just attachment to... Well, what's hard right now? What's going Mm -hmm. wrong, or what's challenging? What do I have to get through? And you know, it's it's such an identity. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I noticed that in my nervous system a little bit this week, where every morning I was like, and I feel like I even do that with you. It's like in the we'll like get together, and it's like, what's wrong? I know. You know, we'll be like this. This is annoying. Uh huh. Like we'll come together, and we'll be together for work or workouts or whatever we're doing, and it's like we both kind of come with the same energy of like, this is annoying.
0: Yes, totally. With work. This
1: is annoying with our life. Mm-hmm. This is annoying with something. Mm-hmm. And I catch myself even alone in the morning, sometimes where I'm like, okay, what's annoying me right now? Or what's bothering me? And I think that's very much the nervous system and that's very much the programming and sort of because I, you know, there was, I was like, dude, I'm, I'm good. Like there's nothing that needs tending to. Yes. That's an issue for me that maybe I'm not feeling or experiencing. Or maybe it's like the invitation, like, how can you feel? Yes. Or transmute
0: that. Um, I was going to say just like this morning we took the class and it was a reminder for me, not that I have to go to the class every day, but there is this like transmutation of that, which is coming up in the morning, that feeling of like something, what, what, or that propensity to go to what's wrong the negative and like just moving my body to music in a way that's like super cathartic. I was like, it's gone. You know, it's like there, but it's also not at the like the forefront of my mind and like in my field as much. So it was just like a powerful reminder of like, yo, it can be that simple and that quick.
1: Yes. You know? And how can it's like, how can we bring into noticing that? How can we bring together more of like, you know, like, hi, what's going on? I'm good.
0: Uh-huh, I know.
1: I feel good. My body yeah. feels good, you know, whatever,
0: even it has to be truth, of course. Yeah. But, but focusing it, on, like, ah, oh, yeah, we're here. Mm-hmm.
1: This is good, you know, trying to bring that into. Totally. Because I definitely think it's a nervous system thing. I was like, oh, my, my nervous system and my body's so used to retrieving information about what's wrong and what we need to focus on to fix, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, in my life. And I'm trying to I actually want to go find that memory of me trying to do that when I was young, because I don't have that memory of me trying to fix everything, but mm. I know it's potentially in my field somewhere. Yeah. Um, and so just anyone that's not familiar with the class, the class is a workout. They have a digital platform. It's a it's kind of a workout. It's more of an experience. Oh yeah. I took it maybe four years ago, Erica Kimmich, who's introduced me to everything that's amazing in my life, <laughs> um, has introduced me and I went and I liked it, but it was, I did have to come back to it. And there was a time before we were all inside That I was doing it really regularly and I could really feel it. You could really feel it shift. And I've always thought, you know, we do the shadow work or we do the therapy, we do the talking, we do all of this stuff, but there's the completion that happens when you're doing movement like this and when you're actually accessing Mm. the feeling that has been stored in your muscles or in your cells that you can really clear through. And it's almost like this is the part that completes the cycle of the healing. And Mm -hmm. I think it's so important. Mm -hmm. And Taryn is just so incredible. You're gonna love this interview. We talked a lot about shadow. We talked a lot about transformation. We talked a lot about processes that have supported her journey of healing, which I really liked. We talked about um, holding space, like what exactly that means. And even
0: the overuse of the word at times. Mm -hmm. We also talk about... Just the transitions she finds herself in right now. Um, she recently got divorced in the last couple years, and um, just continues to do that like inner child work of talking to little Taryn, little T, as she calls her, and it's just such a reminder of like it continues, you know. But it's such a I think we we think about the work and we're like oh god, but it's like no, this is like such a beautiful part of our life, yes. the evolution of and the growing through these things. And I just find that her ability to be with it, to be in silence, to be not trying to get rid of it, but really feeling it. And in the quiet, graceful ways and in the wild purging ways, it's yes. like,
1: ooh. If you're watching Unreal. on YouTube, I fully just picked my nose. Oh, are you okay? I literally was like fully <laughs> fingers up my nose. And I was like, oh, wow, we're still on camera. Because we actually didn't do video for this interview with Tam- Taryn. So I felt like liberated today. I'm like, oh, just I know. let yourself freaking rip. And my hands were fully up my nose. Sometimes you just want to like feel yourself. Oh, yeah. Um. So just FYI for anyone that's you know, used to watching us on YouTube, we don't have um, video for this today, which is totally fine. This interview is like got a lot of potent medicine. And I know you all will really feel the energy of it. It feels like one of those episodes. Um, and it's incredible. So you can go to theclass.com if you're interested in uh, taking the class or signing up for their digital membership. Lindsay, mm-hmm. Lindsay and I are really, really big fans. Yes. Um, and then Natalie Kuhn, their VP, who's on Real was on the podcast a while ago. So you can search Natalie Kuhn Almost 30
0: and you will find that episode with her. Yes. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, If you love this episode or any other Almost 30 episodes, share with a friend, with family. We've heard so many stories where someone has sent an episode and started a really deep, meaningful conversation with someone they love based on the conversation on the pod. So... Just know that that's that's out there. And if you're called to write a review on Apple Podcasts, it would mean the world to us. Uh, Y'all are so sweet and we take those uh, to heart. And every week we release two episodes. Some weeks we release one, about six a month, and you can find them all on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you listen to
1: Pods. Yes, we really appreciate you being here. We Do not take it for granted. We love you so much. Almost 30 podcast on Instagram, almost30.com. You can find all information about us, courses, programs, membership, all of that. And enjoy. Enjoy.
0: Major announcement from Almost 30. We are hosting Space Camp on January 28th. This is our favorite event of the year. Camp Almost 30 has gotten a little bit of a rebrand because we were feeling like, I think we're ready to really go there (laughs) with our community. So we are welcoming guests who we feel have really taken us to whole other planet in our interviews and in our conversations with them. So guests like Brie Melanson, she is going to be doing a workshop on psychic development. Find and tap into your gifts. She is a teacher and channel and one who has really been such a support and teacher for Krista and I throughout the years. We are welcoming Jordan Younger, so she is going to help us find our galactic origins. She is the podcast host of the Balanced Blonde podcast. She's an author, she's a spiritual teacher. We're also welcoming Lee Harris, who recently was on the podcast in a two part episode, and he is going to channel the Z's live for us. How special. He does not do this often, so we feel very, very, very lucky. And we will also be welcoming Sandra Walter. So she is going to be teaching on Ascension 101, the Crystalline Grid, and Higher Realm Support. She is so special. She's a light worker and teacher and has been on the podcast. And Krista and I are going to be sharing a very, very, very special experience, heavenly coated, Reiki infused sound bath. And I'm excited for you all to join us. So this is happening on January 28th from 10 to 2 p.m. PST. Make sure you sign up. Space is limited, but it's absolutely free. Absolutely free. We're excited to welcome you. And this is the kickoff to membership Opening. So membership is going to be open indefinitely now. So you can join membership for six months at a time and really, really focus uh, and support your growth. It is our favorite place to just come and be ourselves and really get super intimate with you all, more intimate than on the podcast. So I'm excited for you all to join the membership. But head to almost30.com/slash space dash camp. That's almost30.com slash space dash camp, space dash camp. <laughs> Say that 30 times. Almost30.com slash space dash camp to sign up for camp. Absolutely free. We will see you on January 28th.
2: Well, That's the thing. It's like healed as possible yeah. means what, right? The fact that you have awareness around it and you're already even having words around it is like yeah, that
0: opens up so much space, you know? and i think about that like need for perfection too where i like struggle with okay so i need to do this before this happens and then it like really separates and kind of disengages with like the connectedness of it all so it's like i have to be healed and perfect before the child comes in or before the partner comes in yeah and then once you are in it you're like wait i'm not <laughs> and then it becomes so much more melodramatic in the mind because you've like kind of separated that. Because know? it's the mind. Yeah. That's where perfectionism comes from, right? Yes. The idea that
2: you have to be something which is really control. And I think that oftentimes people confuse control and safety. You're trying to be yes. perfect or have control to feel safe. but It's actually just a false sense of safety. It's yes. just control.
1: You know? I think people too, not only confuse that for themselves, but also in like with love like a meshment relationships or within Mm -hmm. family or relationship, they're so used to being controlled that that feels safe for them, you know, that trauma bond response. Mm -hmm. And I see that a lot in culture now where people feel most safe when they're being the most controlled. And there is like a fear of the liberation when people aren't doing their shadow work or people aren't going in because they're like, what will happen? And I'm sure you've seen that, you know, in your experience with some of your students and even in your life, like, what happens to you, or what's it been like when you've really gone into the shadow in the depths?
2: Uh, it's so interesting because we could go on this one forever. I think that word "shadow" gets thrown around a lot and people are feeling like, "Oh, I do the shadow work or I and and it's just actually said as opposed to understanding that the the polarities of what that really is shadow and light right there's no love without grief, there's no shadow without light and when people move into this type of shadow work, there's a tendency to get enchanted with the shadow. Mm-hmm. And that enchantment sometimes of like, oh, I'm in the shadow work, as opposed to just opening up a space and saying, oh, this is my shadow. This, is the, this, this conversation can be had with me while holding this really compassionate space for it because it came from somewhere. And the shadow itself is the pacemaker, right? It slows you down. This is what one of uh, a woman that I work with named Carissa always talks about is that it's the metronome. It slows the pace, right? When the shadow comes in, it slows down the evolutionary journey. If it was all light, it would self-combust. It would just blow out of your body. It's like the cycles of the moon, right? The, the moon becomes at full illuminate, illumination, right? And then the shadow has to come in to slow the process down. So when shadow comes up, as opposed to just intellectualizing, what do I do with shadow? You just notice it as, okay, I need to take a moment to pause, to create some space for this and slow down. So that way the process, the evolutionary journey is sustainable. And it's not just something that ends up exhausting you. It's sustainable.
1: I love that. I love that post it. that you did on that. You said, yeah, the shadow slows the pace and the truth is the light. And I feel like, mm-hmm. yeah, I just found that profound. And I do feel like what's important about the class and your work is so much the getting past the intellectualization of our feelings and of the shadow and it's helped me to do that personally. And I didn't realize that I was doing that for so long. And it felt like the body and the breath and the energy of moving whatever I kept in my head instead of my heart was like the key.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing that that what you're saying about thinking about feelings. And that's what we talk about a lot in class. And unless... At least personally, my belief is that if you have not had the experience of differentiating the two, you're still just thinking about it, Mm -hmm. right? So that's a lot of what we're doing in the actual process of class is moving the body in a really big, kind of loud, expressive way and then pausing and getting really quiet and just differentiating. I'm feeling something in my heart, in my body, in my wherever else, or I'm thinking Or I'm thinking about the feeling and then to bring it to the next thing or you actually feel it. And then you allow what the feeling, wherever it is, right? With discernment, you choose if you want to feel it. Sometimes those feelings are not, you're not in a place where you actually want to access them yet. Or you don't feel as if uh, it's the part of your process where you can look at them, right? And then allow yourself to feel it. And then in that feeling, oftentimes an emotion arises, right? Let it be laughter or tears or grief or something that's not been processed. And then that's really the essence of what, what we're doing through the movement of the class is allowing yourself to access felt, sense, of feeling, and then allow the emotion to arise so you can process it and heal as opposed to thinking about how to do it.
0: I feel like you embody that more than most. Is it hard to... Be in the world sometimes when you are so in tune with feeling the felt feeling and being in a world where most people are so in their heads. And how have you navigated, like, especially in the beginning with the class, like bringing this this beautiful modality to the world and having it be felt in the way that you had intended?
2: Oh, that is a complex one. I deal with it all the time because it's, I was just saying yesterday, like, oh, how did I get myself into this? You know, yeah. even coming here, because I always have a recoil in myself around having to do, speak about these things. Because for me, the offering is through my work, right? You come to the yes. room or you, you move with any of our teachers and that's where I feel like I'm embodied in the work. Yes. So to have to intellectualize or talk about it mm-hmm. or it, with, with people that want to then do the opposite thing of what we're trying to help people do, which is to just hold the space to say, I hear you. That might not resonate with me, but I hear you. You know, As opposed to, oh God, did you hear about that blah 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 and when i first started teaching class i was always of the mindset of like okay this thing is definitely just going to have a very short life and i'm going to do it because it's what i need right now and it's bringing community together and it's helping me and it's striking a chord in other people so i'm going to keep going and i'll do it tomorrow and then the next day i'll probably just stop and that's always how it operates and that's what i think Almost gave me the like compartmentalization that allowed me to keep doing it because people would make fun of me all the time. you know granted this is nine years ago when we gave it to the class I started teaching it eleven years ago and while these types of movements have been around for centuries in different types of modalities and rituals and formats of expressing moving your body, making sound drumming, doing all these different things, it's just that You know, if it's packaged a certain way, which is I was doing it in a way that worked for me, taking all these things that worked for me and putting it in a specific formula or architecture that people would make fun of me all the time. They still do. And because I have a very naked heart, it's very hard to figure out the places for you to separate that is yours and this is mine when you've grown up in a world where there was a lot of enmeshment, codependency, neglect, and abuse. So the complexities of all of that that I just said are hard to navigate. Mm -hmm. And I'm incredibly sensitive. I have a, a very strong kind of ferocity that comes through me when I'm actually moving through the class and letting the thing that needs to move through me move through me. So oftentimes I'll bring the thing that I'm working through that I feel like is the projection of the world on me to the class. And then I allow it to move through and out of me and then I can do it another day. Mm -hmm. So the whole thing is very meta. Yes. You know? Yes. It's beautiful.
1: Yeah. Isn't that funny about things? It's like, so I'm talking about intellectualizing my feelings to tell everyone to like to actually move through them. You know, I often feel like that sometimes with what we do, we're like, you need to listen to yourself and like listen to your own intuition, but also the podcast is Listen here. to the podcast next episode. Yeah, <laughs> really. It's like everything we do. I think that's so many people's work is like that balance of like, hey, everyone, don't spend your life online, but also I've got this post. I, it's so <laughs> true. I you to see.
2: It's so funny because people can listen to this. And they're like,
1: great, yeah. but, but, right? But the end
2: yeah. but thing is, is what I'm doing in the class. We do it right? You're actually doing it. And that's the difference, the embodiment work of it. Mm-hmm. But the intellectualizing it is also an important component. Think about it, hear it, see the information, listen to a podcast, it opens something, and then go apply it. And then there's also an incredible amount of joy. And humor and lightness that has to coexist with these things. Otherwise, you're just playing around in the field of like, I have to figure this out and heal, right? It's like,
1: have to lift it again. When you were talking about your childhood a little bit with the enmeshment and the abuse and the codependency, what was like a turning point for you? Or when did you realize that sort of this was going on? Because especially with enmeshment, you're really like figuring out what love is for the first time when you're like breaking through that. I think that I've always felt that there was something
2: fundamentally wrong in the way that I didn't feel uh, I, I just I don't I just always felt like this there's something wrong here. But I didn't know mm-hmm. as a child, you don't know, but you can feel like and I didn't realize until I started, you know, maybe in my my teens, where I would see other families and I would see other people have relationships with their mother and father. And you know, just to sidecar this, I'm not in any way. Shaming or blaming my mom and my dad. They did what they did with the resources that they had and they just never heard the call to heal or maybe had the opportunity or the opening or the spaces or places or the resources mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, all of the things. So I just want to say that because I think it's really important for me to, to, to land that for myself. Um, but there, there was, you know, people have a capacity and there was so much. Chaos in my upbringing that I think the capacity just was you know it was constantly coming out like a spigot of just like constant pain and shame because nobody knew how to manage their own thing. Um, I always knew that there was a odd feeling that I had inside my body and the feedback from the external world. What do you mean you hate yourself? What do you mean you feel all of these things about yourself? You have X, Y, Z. And it never landed. I was like, this does not make sense to me. Mm -hmm. I I cannot, I'm trying to, okay, I'm going to will myself into believing what you're saying right now. And now I think you're lying to me and I'm not going to trust you. You know, it was always that thing. So uh, I just, I've always had it. And- it's it still comes up. It's not I don't think that it ever just goes away. And that's, you know, healing's not linear, but process is not linear. It's it's just that I'm aware of it now when it comes up, when the shadow comes up, when that mean voice comes up, when I'm feeling good about something, and I'll hear something that's like, Taryn, do you know how stupid you are? Do you remember that thing that you said two weeks ago in that meeting? And I'll go, oh, okay, okay, little TT what do you have to say? Let me pull up a chair and let's sit down and have a conversation. What do you have to say? And I'll listen to it and I'll just say, okay, I hear you. I hear you. And you're human. And then I was in this process the other day in class where I don't ever touch the dad stuff ever. It's, and this woman that I work with that deals a lot with trauma, Diana Fosha, I love her. And she has given me so much access to these parts of me. had, She's always nodded to the fact that I don't touch the dad stuff and my dad was just a vanisher, right? And again, his capacity was what it was, but and I loved my dad because my dad created a space where there was joy. When I would be with my dad, my dad would create an experience where we would, you know, laugh and I would had, you know, meals and things were organized more. He had his own issues and things that went on with him that were very challenging, but for the most part I would have lightness. And then I would go back to my mom who my dad was a deadbeat dad and ran away, right? So my mom was dealing with all the complexities of that, a single mom working with two kids and the divorce and all the things. And my it would be chaos. And then I wouldn't hear from my dad for a long period of time. So in my mind, what I would do is I would think, where did my dad go? And what did I do? Right. So and then he would just vanish. So I had this this voice come up the other day where I do this thing with myself when something's really challenging and the voice just goes like this, get over it, get over it. And I have that part of me that's really hard on myself. And it's gotten me really far because it makes me tie my boots on tight and say, I'm going to get through this. And that's the resilience that I think has led me to a certain point where I've been able to create and offer what I've offered. So I don't want... Anybody to take that part of me away. Don't tell me that I can't just say, get over it. And I started realizing the other day that voice is my dad. So there's the resilience and there's the get over it. But there's also a compassion that needs to come in because that get over it, that is my dad's voice, not mine, is part of this thing that comes up when. I feel as if somebody has left me. It's all my fault. That is a sentence that overwhelms me on the daily. It is all my fault. What did I do? And how can I shame myself at my own hands to make sure that I can get over it to know it was my fault as opposed to being like wait a second. Let's just look at the, you know, 42 going on
0: 43 year old landscape of the current State. The taking on the all my fault is, I think, you know, a theme that a lot of women feel. Um, I'll just speak from my experience, but I, it almost feels easier. It feels easier to be responsible for not only my stuff, but other people's stuff. And it's, it's almost easier to like metabolize, even though it's like dampening the spirit and so heavy. How have you been able to just kind of take off the coats that aren't yours in those moments and in those dynamics, in those relationships? Because I feel like women are nurturers, natural nurturers, and we take care. But oftentimes it swings so far to one side where all of a sudden we realize, oh my God, I'm like, I'm wearing... A few jackets that aren't mine. It feels heavy. It feels like I'm not myself. Yeah. So have you been able to navigate that? And I feel like it translates in the class too. There is just this reclaim spirit in that room, which is just so beautiful, but just bringing it to kind of that everyday, everyday navigation. The class. Yeah. That's how I do it. Yeah.
2: I mean, literally, that's how I do it. Um, and that 's how it came through me because i 've always felt so much i 'm so such an empath and i didn 't know that that is an actual medical thing like studied yeah. by doctors worldwide until I bought this book the other day that I randomly found the Empaths survival guide Mm. and I picked it up and I started reading it and I love some science with spirituality combined like give me the both I need facts because I know for me I've always had this part of me that's been very connected to great spirit I didn't know what that was until I've started to realize in my my years of doing work through the class and all the other practices but um, so I feel things in my body and then I take them on and I, and then the voices come up and then you think they're yours. And I think as women, oftentimes, we do have a capacity. And as these caretakers or these nurturers or whatever, not to generalize, but generalizing. So the space to get quiet in yourself long enough to create enough internal fire To then sit and ask yourself, not somebody else telling you that's the thing about the class. There's no guru mentality in that. No one has the answer. We're just getting each human to take some kind of ownership and accountability and have some sovereignty against. I want to bring this up and ask this question because I'm ready to. And I'm curious because something's going on in my life that's saying, this is not working anymore. And I want to try to just plant a seed of Mm. what is it? Ask the question. And then that's a lot of what the practice is. Ask the question and then turn the palms to this cosmos and say, you know, cosmos or divine, I call it, say, I do not know, but I'm present and I'm really, really open to something coming through to show me. And then to have the conversation that comes from, you know, skin of the soul, the psyche, releasing information from the psyche. To say, oh, and that's the kind of epiphanies or, or the revelatory quality that comes up within the class. That's how I have found my way to pause, to reflect, and then to say, you know what? And that's what we're doing in those burpees and those loud, guttural. Uh, uh, you're, you're moving it from the bones and the cells, that, the information inside your body. And, and separating the difference between inside your body, outside your body. Things have come from outside your body, let it be projections or shaming or mother stuff or father stuff that moves inside your body and you contain and hold until you decide I'm going to move this, right? And that's for me with the classes. Mm-hmm. And it happens to also be a really good workout and I like to multitask. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you get strong, your, your physical vessel feels more intact. Yes. You have more control over... You know, all of the kind of physical elements because you're strong. And then when you're combining that with saying, I am not going to hold this anymore. This is not mine. I am releasing this. It doesn't, it's not one and done. It's a practice, right? And that's what, what I, that's why I use the class as a practice, as a daily practice. Mm -hmm. Even the short little segments that we have like in the app now that are 20 minute, you know, we're about to release a thing called there's a class for that. And it's very specific. my daddy shit, Mm -hmm. (laughs) my ass has fallen and it can't get up, hangovers, mother-in-law stuff, heartache, your dog just died, all of these things. So now you can actually go into a specific thing and say, this is what I need. And then let me tell you, if you do a practice where you show up wholly with yourself and you say, this is what I need, what happens after it is, is just beyond anything the human mind can intellectualize. And that's where the process of just turning it over is showing up and saying, I'm ready to move through this. And then you're supported in ways that you don't even know. That's what I love so deeply
0: about the class is that I've realized how how my mind resists and my body's ready, you know, where I go in and like literally things can change in an instant. And like my mind's like, no, we got to go through all these things in order for you to feel better. And like all of a sudden it's completely different because I really just dropped into my body and my heart. And it's like, whoa, how long was I holding on to that up here? And just kind of holding my body and heart hostage because of that. But yeah, I just so deeply love the practice for that too.
1: Yeah. I think you mentioned the spirit and the science piece. And I've always wondered that about it. It's like, Can that movement or the release or the feeling that's happening when you're moving in this way, has it been able to be measured? Like, Is there anything that's happening to the brain or to the nervous system even that you found with the class? Yes.
2: And there's a lot, we've had a lot of conversations behind the scenes as to what level we talk about from a scientific kind of yeah. measured standpoint and i go back and forth on it because i know myself i like to study things on on myself i'm my own case study so if somebody tells me about like oh go do this or go or it's a fad or something like i'm always like in the world of experimenting yeah i'll try that and see if it if it mm-hmm. actually does something so if you think about the nervous system what we're doing in the class is the 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 teacher that's, that's holding the space for the room is consistently saying, you find your edge. If you can't self-regulate, if you've lost the connection to your breath, pull back, reset, and then move forward again. Because you're not looking to blow the nervous system out and you're actively engaging the sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight. And then in that, you're regulating. That's a key part of the class. How much of that do we talk about it or not? TBD, right? And, and yes, we will and should, but that's what we're doing. The reason why we don't is because you actually do it and it happens, right? That's the, the, the self-regulation, though. That's important. And it's also important in, in what goes on with the teaching, the teacher training program is getting the student to take their own control over that. So if you think about what goes on in the nervous system in the world, you have sympathetic nervous system fight or flight, right? And what happens in, in that, um, and then you have parasympathetic rest and repose, right? So parasympathetic nervous system, fight or flight, I got to get out of here. And you have a release of endorphin, endorphins and adrenaline that get you out. Or you go into freeze mode, right? Which happens a lot with us. Somebody comes at you, it triggers an old response and triggers as in you disassociate. Not triggers as, as in you're just kind of like, mm-hmm. you're, 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 that's really rude, And you freeze because that's what you were brought up with. You still have the same amount of adrenaline and cortisol and all of these things that are going through the system, but now it's stuck in the body. So that fight or flight is actually helpful in ways because it gets you to out of it. So what goes on in the class through the expression of that is we're helping to dislodge and discard a lot of that stuff that happened in freeze. So it helps the nervous system regulate in that way because a lot of people have different responses when the nervous system's like that. So yeah, there's a lot of Mm -hmm. science that goes on behind it. That's just in the practice that's built in. It's a very thoughtful practice and what goes on in the training has a lot of information around that as how we teach the teachers. It's not like just come on in and try to figure out how to get it out, <laughs> you know, which I, I see a lot of people out there in the world that have you know are mimicking or 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 ripping the class off or doing whatever. And you know I, I, in a lot of ways it's of course it's disheartening, but I don't feel this kind of ownership around. Uh, oh, you can't do that. Like, great. If you're inspired by something, that's wonderful. And then if you can move other people, that's wonderful. Plagiarism's a whole other world. I do believe that there's a ceiling that can go on when you're plagiarizing something. And I think what happens is that people get hurt in those practices mentally, physically, and emotionally. Emotionally and almost like from a trauma response way, that's where it bothers me. Because if you're yeah. just trying to do the, the method in the way where you're like, oh, that looks like it's fun. I'm going to go do it. And you start activating things in people and you don't know what you're doing. That's when you, you actually end up hurting people.
1: Yes. Because think about you, that all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. in like, not in the class, but just, I feel like there's this movement of people being their own healers or not being their own healers mm-hmm. is one thing. That's, positive people becoming healers people becoming coaches people becoming life coaches people becoming you know all of these things and you know we've been in experiences where where they'll become psychics or meet them all these things I'm like you don't know what's going on on the other side and you don't i've noticed that i feel like some people aren't qualified to hold the space that is needed and it is a like the ability to hold space, hold the energetic container. Really, did. it's just it's it's so much. It's so layered. It's so important. And when you're willy really nilly about it, it can really go awry. And I think that's what you're talking about. And that's actually been hard to see because you know we'll be in situations. I'm like, oh wow, this is like beyond. I think your ability to like be the leader of this room or the leader of this container. Especially in LA, you see a bunch of different things. I think when you were talking a lot, and that made me think about just being in ceremony and Lindsay and I have sat in ceremony where it's like, oh, now I understand what holding a container is. Yes. And now I understand what holding, holding space is. And I know you've sat in ceremony in Peru. What was gleaned from that and how did that change you?
2: Yeah, I mean, those early days, that, those early days, um, I used to sit in ceremony a lot. Uh, and this is really back in the day when I, I would tell someone and they would be like, you are such a wacky, weird person. So I stopped telling people. And you, know, you just have to understand how to also hold that space yeah. inside yourself. Because people, I think when you get shamed by someone, it's because you're scratching something in them that goes against their own coding of life, right? They were taught to believe something. You say something that's against that and then they shame you. So you knowing how, how and when to talk, how to, how to close that kind of gate within yourself of words is important. My very first ceremony, I, it's very much still a part of the practice. The only two rules in class is please don't talk to your neighbor and don't touch them. And that's one of the things that I found in my very first ceremony is that you can be having this very cathartic experience and releasing or, or vomiting or whatever somebody's doing. And the person holding the room is just holding the room. And the person next to you is not grabbing you going, are you okay? Are you going to be okay? It's just people are just allowing the stuff that's inside their body to move out while you're in a container Mm -hmm. for it to release and be offered up to great spirit or whatever you call it, right? So I learned a lot in those years and I went deep in ceremony for years. And then something came through me that I was just done and- uh, then I had my first daughter and created the class. <laughs> I think that was my own my own experience of what holding, uh, you know. And I think that word "holding space" is used so much now. It's underembodied and overused. I think a lot of words are understanding how to hold a space for people to open up something in themselves without the person that is holding the container, without projecting. Or having this guru mentality of, I will tell you how to do it and you will be healed. I think that's where things become dangerous sometimes, but that's just my own personal feeling, yeah. um, and it's also why it's taken so long to grow the class in the way we have, because you can teach a fitness class or you can teach a different modality, um, and and really feeling into the the teachers that you're bringing in it's not like anyone can teach a fitness class. And I really respect that. I think that there are fitness classes that are so wonderful as fitness classes. I think when people start to feel into what's going on in the world, oh, that thing's the next thing. And I'm going to start doing that thing. And then they pick up the words and the sentences and and they're not wow. doing it in a thoughtful way. That's when I get a little like, that's just yeah, unfortunate. Yeah. And
1: And now it's like, because I want to use this word truthfully. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I want to say golden space because it's happening, (laughs) you know? And and then you, I find that with with myself where I'm like, it's actually made me go more quiet because I'm like, I'm not Mm. wanting to be cliche and I'm trying to move away from this superficial spirituality, but then I'm kind of, yeah, it's like, you don't want to leave the space that you know there is the truth in. Yeah, it's a whole
2: thing. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing about truth. I was, you know, I I love, love what truth does. Mm-hmm. I love the way it feels. I love what it offers yourself and another. You don't have to go back and try to remember what you said because it was the truth. You speak from the heart. You speak from the truth. You allow yourself to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You make amends. You just you know what it does and you know how it feels when you're with someone when you can tell you can feel humans feel things and i just personally love what truth does and what it feels like mm-hmm. so i think that's what you know happens in a lot of spaces you can feel it and then you don't know why you just were a little like huh you know and it's okay it's not good or bad right or wrong but to be able to feel into what it feels like in you does it resonate in you you know, or not. And if it doesn't, just keep moving on. But don't go back and like gossip and shame and add more pain cycles to the field, you know, just
0: move on. I'm curious, you know, as someone who is, I wouldn't say the face of the brand because I think the class is its own entity, but it's the class by Turn To Me. So I'm curious like how your experience with being projected on as the guru, as this, yeah, just like you are a leader and in the best sense. But I think sometimes we feel that too, where it's like the audience or the student or the community has kind of this idea of you and it becomes like guru-like. And how do you regulate in those dynamics and still interact and serve with love and and almost not isolate because sometimes I feel like I'm like, I'm, I don't want to be around this because I'm not what I I'm not what yeah. <laughs> you're projecting me to be, you know, and it's weird. And then I become, you know, and then I become more isolated and just kind of like quiet. Yeah. So how do you navigate that?
2: You just explained how I navigate it. Yeah. I
0: isolate and get a little bit more
2: quiet and then reemerge. I mean, I had a huge recoiling happen um, recently, where i 've just decided I need to go off social media and all of the things just because I just it 's if if you want to know how I feel about something or you want to know what my practices are, come take class i 'm there all the time you know um, that 's the space where I feel like I can be in my my own practice but when I first you know the name. The class is just the class because I couldn't think of what to name it. I taught it for two years in no name, and then it was the class piece through strength. That's what it originally was. And then I had um, an old business partner that came on, and she was adamant about the fact that we had to put my name on it. She had a little bit of a different point of view of what um, it should be and, and where it should go, which really didn't um, it, it didn't sit well with me. But I understood the intent. People would be like, "I'm going to this thing called the class." Well, what's the class? Oh, it's called the class. Well. The class, but what class? Oh, it's called The Class, right? So, the class by Taryn Toomey became to kind of give it a landing pad. But I always knew that I was going to do that with the intent to take it off one day, which we did in January. It's just the class now. So, when that happened, I know for me, the optics of that is that I was probably, it's me, I'm doing this thing, which is where the schism was always created. Sure. Owning what I've done. Or what I've offered um, is a really challenging thing. I know people are like, you just have to own that. And you and I'm like, yeah, but no, I mean, I've certainly innovated old practices and brought a lot of things together and packaged them a certain way. But this is not, it's not new. It's, it's a, it's a different architecture. It's it's intelligent and it's Free and it's all of these other things and it's filled with music and laughter and like all of this great stuff but um, I just I don't know if it triggers something in me that's very young that's what I feel like I feel like when I feel that sense of somebody projecting that they think that I have it figured out I get this very very young part of me that comes up that feels very scared um, and very uh, very, very young. So I try to talk to that part and I try to say, let's track this. Let's look at what we've done. Let's get really intellectual about it right now. This year, you did this move and created this. This year, you did this and did this. This year, you did this and did this. And I try to actually look at the steps that I've made along the way that were part strong business intuition, were part practices of just Turning over the things that I did not know and allowing things to show themselves. I mean, the fact that digital was ready to go before lockdown, we had been working on that for almost a year. I had to raise a small round around it because the company was not something that could, you know, we were not profitable in that way. Uh, hire a new team. All of these things that I that I had to just keep asking questions about day by day. Should I do this? Should I do this? I did not want to bring a camera in the room because I was very concerned about opening up a space where the students were now exposed to the world to see mm. this intimate space. Where so I was back and forth on that forever. And then when we finally launched it, you know, January of 2020, we hard launched it. We beta tested it October of 2019, but we were ready to go. And then lockdown happened, and then the students were removed from the room. So the main issue that I had about doing digital was now taken away. So like I get goosebumps when I talk about this stuff because I really do think that a lot of what happened with COVID, while there was so much loss, we were all asked to go inside Mm -hmm. and take our impact out from the world, from Gaia, from Mother Earth, from all the things and go sit and give everything, everyone inside or outside, you know, a moment to heal. And the fact that I was in that room alone now, and this thing was being pummeled out to now, what is a global presence through COVID and through lockdown, it's like, I can't not look at that and say there was something else, a higher power at play. Um, And the humility that comes in with that of just it doesn't have any guru stance around it. It doesn't have any, I did this. It just has, there was something that was asked to move through me that was so beyond me as a human. I just heard the call and kept answering it along the way. And a lot of that was obviously very strong, hard business decisions I had to make. And a lot of that was very, very, very connected to intuition and just the felt sense that there was something that had to move through. And I said, okay, you know, God.
1: Yeah. With the pandemic in 2020 and like how the grieving, we were talking a little bit about that before. There's been so much to move and there's been so much emotion. And, you know, I know you've been going through your own process as we all have. What besides the class has been your hygiene for taking care of yourself as far as like nutrition and sleep and, Relationships, like family, like what else have you been doing to really help yourself through the past two years?
2: It's mm, a good question. You know, the the quiet time that we were offered through the lockdown was not something that I normally gravitated toward. I was always one that brought community together. I was always hosting potlucks, even early on with the class. I would open up my apartment, and anybody from the class can come over. You bring a dish, you bring a bottle of wine, and we play. So. And, and my my natural essence is very lighthearted. Like when I'm not in the kind of thing of, you know, talking in this way about some of these deeper places in ourselves, I'm very playful on always bringing community together through humor and and that. So the fact that that was taken out and I was given the space where I had all of us alone time, where I had my children 50% of the time and I was alone, I... I really learned the impact of using that time wisely. So when you're alone and you're on your phone and you're alone and you're shopping or you're alone and you're, "Mm," that's what you're using your alone time for. So for me, it was just, I'm alone and I'm going to start to learn new ways to move my body and to heal some of my joints. I'm going to sit in different Practices that I've not had the space for and journal about them. I'm going to cook and learn how to cook. I'm going to like do all of these really simple things that I just didn't have the space for. And then what happened is when we started coming back together, I realized how exhausted I was after hanging out with people and how important that alone time was. And the alone time was mostly terrifying. I was so scared. I was... I was. I would cry myself to sleep so many nights because I actually was alone. My children were with my ex. I'm in bed by myself. I'm triggered as, because now I'm like, what have I done? And I started to talk to those parts of me. Those little girl parts of me that I realized were just really a lot of that inner child work that I was very avoidant around because I was get over it in my head get over it. We're moving on. Mm. We're not going to touch the dad stuff. We're not going to touch the kid stuff. Let's move on. So, I really nurtured that. And that's what, you know, the the other practices are, you know, I would go and take a walk on the water or whatever very basic things that we would do, but there was not a lot of other things that were 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 happening for me because, you know, all engines were Turned on to the highest degree with the class to get it out there. So the alone time was when I was not working for the class. But I felt like, I literally, like the funniest thing about these combat boots, which people laugh about, is that I never wore shoes to teach ever. I just loved barefoot practice. And the day that I went to the studio for lockdown, I had these boots that I wanted to return and it was past the 30-day policy or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I put them on and I walked and I went to turn my tie the boot, take them off. And I started tying them on tighter and I've never taken them off. And it felt like that, like, okay. Like I get goosebumps. Like we have work to do here. We have people to help. We have like process to take place and, and grieving to do well. Let's grieve. You know, and stop being scared of grieving because I know for me, those tears at night when I was terrified, I was grieving, but I started grieving in a way where I was like, I didn't have a mother. I'm not going to grieve the fact that I, I, or try to heal the fact that I I don't have a relationship with my mother. I'm going to grieve the fact I never had a mother. And I would let myself Mm. do that. (laughs) Like two days later, like I felt so so light. I felt so free. I felt so much joy. And then I would go and offer that and spread that. And I would go on the platform and I would share it. And it was almost like, you know, one of my my friends, Thomas Roach, who's an acupuncturist and a teacher and somebody who I love and adore for so long, said to me, T, you know, what you're doing is you're publicly processing. You're doing it real time. And that has got to be so hard. So a lot of the alone time, like, you know, to a lo- long and short, it was spending a lot of time in that quiet, taking it seriously, breathing well, laughing big, and then getting that work out there. You know, but yeah, I don't right.
1: know if it's like sometimes I'm like, is this how it's supposed to be? I know that I more literally so just than like the other. I literally, just where you're that. just like, wow, like something comes out of you. You're like, I think this is supposed to be
2: normal. Mm-hmm. And you know the beautiful thing about it is being able to laugh. If you can identify the feeling you're feeling today, I feel like. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And just be okay with it and get rid of this preference to feeling. I don't want to feel this way today. And be like, today I feel this way. Mm -hmm. And what am I going to do? What am I going to, how am I going to hold the space for this feeling? What are my practices going to be? Who am I going to talk to? Who am I not? Mm -hmm. And then the next day the light comes and then you're filled with joy. Who am I gonna who am I gonna share this with? Who am I, you know and, and the funny thing when you were saying earlier about that idea of, of holding space and service, I think that word service gets thrown around so much, right I want to be of service and I want to serve you and like, yes. and it's just lost. it's like it's as if it's some sort of insurance policy with like God or the divine like if I'm serving or I say yeah. I'm gonna be of service like you're gonna do the right thing for me and it's like it's so different. That's not what it is. It's like, are you offering a part of you that allows your natural essence, your blueprint that is so unique to you, that's called your soul. Nobody else has it. As opposed to just saying, oh, that person's blueprint looks cool. So I'm going to do that. And I'm going to say that. And then I'm going to call it service. And like not shaming yourself if you're doing that. But just identifying the difference, because then you're not going to feel fulfilled. Yes. This feeling of fulfillment of like, I feel like myself. And when you feel like yourself, then just being is much easier. It just becomes less heavy. And then the truth becomes easier, and you don't have to figure out what you said or how you said it. Or if you can't fall asleep at night, because you're like, oh, I said that thing that I know that person said too. And like, actually, it was theirs. And are they going to find out? I'm like, you know, all, you know, all that kind of, blah. it's just, it's heavy stuff, you know?
1: Yes. That service piece is fucking fire. Yeah. Because there is something about that when people are coming from the place of needing validation. Or that's like ego protection to be like, I want to be of service. It's like, ah, no, you just want to hug.
0: Mm, Your little child yeah. just wants a hug. Yes, yeah, That's yes.
1: actually fully not about. Mm-hmm. And I've realized that live in living a life of service, I wanted to be of service for so long. I did, it was the calling that I wanted to find through what we do, but mm-hmm. I don't think about my existence as service because I'm really being myself and like the way that you live and exist becomes service. And people don't realize that either, where it's like your service doesn't need to be your job or your thing or whatever. It's like you can fully be in service to your soul just by living whatever design you have or by living in like the kindest way or by, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's all about your soul alignment and that's your service.
2: And you can feel it being in in the presence of both of you that there's nothing that's forced, yeah. You're not saying I decided to do this podcast because I think that this is the next cool thing to do, right? You're present, present with the experience. And I think that is what allows people to feel like, and let's even take out the word service because that's just a word logo, right? That's the word that we've used to identify what it is being present with people so you can feel like yourself. Mm -hmm. To me, that's a really beautiful service. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, is about that word service and then validation. Sometimes those go hand in hand, because if you think you want to serve because you're looking for the outside world to validate you, then you're seeking validation from the external world. And now you're at the mercy of the external world to tell you who you are.
0: transitional period of, I think more and more of that is happening. More and more people are embodying that, but the majority are not. And so you can feel incredibly misunderstood and separate Mm -hmm. and hopeless at times. Um, I'm curious your essence and your spirit. I feel like it's everything. It's, it is soft. It is wild. It is um, incredibly feminine. And there is that balance of mass. You, there's everything. And so I'm curious, Like especially being in the city, I just moved back to New York in um, May from LA. And just the structure of New York, I feel like it's she, she, but also she's so structured. The sharp edges, the boxes, mm-hmm. um, the energy of... Uh, fulfilling dreams but also getting shit done mm-hmm. can be so masculine. Mm-hmm. And so like how have you how have you been able to work with that energy whether it's in relationships or within this city or within certain paradigms where like your wildness is able to be expressed and your feminine and softness is able to just
2: mm-hmm.
0: melt and be.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting question. The city to me you know, it has a current in it, mm-hmm. has a vibration mm-hmm. and it feels to me as if it's meant for creating and driving. And for me, that's a lot of like the divine feminine aspects mm-hmm. aspect is like being able to create and destroy, being able to destroy what you created to create again, being able to, you know, mm-hmm. and then the masculine, which is not even identifying as human, but the parts of us that are masculine and feminine is the anchor, right? It keeps everything from spinning out yeah. and the ability for the, divine masculine in us to really like prostrate to the divine feminine in us to say all right you need a little bit of anchoring right now and now you're spinning out and now you can create now you know that that balance of what that looks like within each of us i think the city doesn't offer the earth which for me is the way to self regulate in so many ways for all of us mm-hmm. so balancing getting out of the city Getting in the land and then getting back to the city to me has been a key component. Even if you have to get to the park or to the grass and lay down, left hand onto the earth, right hand to the sky, close your eyes, breathe the energy through the receiving hand of the left side up through the earth, bring it through the center of the heart, exhale it out the right hand up to the cosmos and use that as a, as a tool to bring the earth into the body and then switch. So the hand Left hand is up, so you're receiving from sky and then back down into earth so you can recycle the energy and give back. But that for me is a very basic practice that I have to use when I know that the city's just becoming too pure. Um, But uh, it's it's an interesting question because I think we have to find that balance within ourselves. We all have these parts and some of them are more dominant than the others. And some of them need to be regulated by the earth, which means all that Pachamama energy. Um, Than others, and sometimes you need to know when you need to just tie your boots on and like get that thing going, Mm -hmm. and understand the difference between complacency and laziness, and actually exhaustion and restoration, and differentiating that. But Mm -hmm. you know, the the city is challenging. That that projection piece is key. What came up for me is, and this is kind of a personal story and I hope it's okay that I share it but um you know I my kids go to school and I, I think sometimes um school and the whole kind of mother father stuff at schools is a little bit of a breeding ground especially when kids are involved and and I was going through an interesting experience uh with with my ex a couple years ago who I have a beautiful relationship with and there was this rumor that was going around school that one of these moms had had said that Um, I was like after people's husbands and this kind of stuff. And I was like, wait, what? Like I am so in my own like grace Mm -hmm. of navigating this thing myself right now. And this is just absolutely insane that somebody would even just make this up because it's just actual like black magic gossip, you know, Mm -hmm. like a lie. It's like,
1: are we 12? And somebody (laughs)
2: finally came up to me and said that. She said, I want to let you know what's going on. And I was so upset about it because I was like, I don't even know why Somebody just wants to do that. But I do understand humans are humans and we make mistakes and we get stuck in gossip things and we can make amends and forgive ourselves for being human. But I sat with it for about two months before I said anything because I was so upset about it. And she said to me, T, you know what? The woman that told me, you're really triggering. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of shook me. It gives me a little bit of a shake Mm -hmm. right now because that's a hard thing to hear. Especially when you know that I'm one, I'm very vulnerable and I'm very open, and I have a lot of these parts of me. So I decided to ask her, the woman that was saying it, if, to, if she would have a coffee with me one day. And she kind of was like, "No, what do you need?" And I was like, "Well, maybe after drop off." And I, and I, we ended up um, just meeting, and she, and she wouldn't sit down, and and I just said, "You know, I heard that you had some questions about my personal life, and I just wanted to open up the space for you to ask me." And she immediately was like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, you're know, you crazy, whatever. And I was like, okay, well, I just want you to know that if you have any questions, that I'm here to, to, to hold space for any of them because I'm very open and I'm very honest. And that was it. And it's, that was like two years ago. And she has never looked at me again. And I drop off and all that. And I feel very challenged by it every day mm-hmm. because there's a part of me that wants to go up and say, listen let's have a conversation. Like I was just opening up a space because that was a challenging time for me. But what happens is because I had that conversation is now there's this energy around it all the time now. And like, how do you navigate Mm -hmm. that? You know, how do you navigate? And that that idea that I trigger people is very challenging for me because when people know me, they know. Mm -hmm. But I do understand the world projects a point of view on you and you bring things up in them and then that happens. So that question you had earlier of, What do I do? Like A lot of times I recoil. I go inside of myself. And then what do I do? I Mm self-hate. And then what do I do from there? Then I remove myself from the world. And then I notice that's not healthy. So then I go back into that young part of myself. And I try to help her heal. And then I try to move back out with some grace, with a new layer of protection, of understanding that people are going to be people. And it's okay. And I have to have a boundary of who I let in my life. Mm -hmm. And that's really the learning. Yeah.
1: I wonder if you could do that that meditation, that Hawaiian meditation. Oh, I love. I wonder mm -hmm. if you could do that with her, just in your mind's eye. Yeah. For like a week or something. Yeah. 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 The I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. You know, I, not that I know anything, but but it's an
2: interesting dialogue because for me, I'm still holding the thing of like, let's not hold this. Of course. And I forgive you. Of course. And we're human, but just say,
1: you know what? I was wrong. Yes, of course. You know? Yes. Of course. Yeah. It's like, I, it, there was something that, so we got a negative We don't get negative comments really, but there was a negative comment on social media. And someone said on our team, because we were thinking, like, do we respond, whatever? And someone was like, you know, sometimes people don't want to have their mind changed. No. But right. I was like, well, that's the biggest facts. Right. Because if you are mm-hmm. saying something like that, if you are commenting on social media, a lot of times you don't want to sit down and change your mind. Yes, You know what I mean? So it was like, wow, that is the biggest truth. All I can do is provide this like what you did, the conversation, the space to potentially have that happen. That's all you could really do. And if this person wants to feel that forever, then that's really on them. Yeah,
2: well, and that's planting a seed, right? Yes. That's yeah. what we talk about in class. I just planted a seed. Who knows? People have told me, I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had with people that have reached out to me and said, uh, even on social media or personally, and said, "You know, I took your class a couple of years ago, and I just thought it was the stupidest thing ever, and I would make fun of you <laughs> you're like and Thank I was you. so challenged by it, and I walked in two years later, and I was like, Oh my gosh, and I realized I just wasn 't ready
0: mm.
2: I just wasn 't yes. ready, and that 's what I love about." The practice and practices in life, we have to have patience around the gestation periods for people's own evolutionary process. That conversation, she might come back to me one day and be like, you know what? I am really sorry. And I had this awakening the other day. And, you know, and that's what class offers too. You know, and like all of these different things that we're doing within class now where we're offering like this menstruation series and like mm-hmm. menstrual series and like the class for kids and all these different things. Is because there's different access points of people to come into different practices that can open up different ideas or there's a class for that stuff. You know, it's like just find a different entryway sometimes. Maybe that person on social media wants to get it out. They don't want their mind changed. But maybe there's something over here That'll plant a seed that then makes them reflect on that and say, huh. And that's all we're doing. We're just little cedars. We're just seeding information and let them gestate. And then sometimes people come around and sometimes they don't. And that's okay.
0: You know?
1: Yeah. That's all I, that's all really the goal is. Cause it's like, if you're anything beyond like a cedar, then you could be in the guru thing. Mm -hmm.
0: Totally. You know what I mean? Then Mm -hmm. you're in like the guru. Then you have expectations.
1: Yes. Yeah. There's, um, last question for me, just, I, I've enjoyed this so, so much. And I know we can too. talk forever, truthfully. <laughs> you mentioned, you know, separation from your husband. And I know a lot of people in our community have gone through that, where they're going through that process of grieving, of change, of like, it's that's a huge portal. Yeah. How have you taken care of yourself? And what has been like a learning that you've been like, wow.
2: That longer a relationship was, the deeper the connection was, whether it be because you went really deep, really fast, or because it was a lot of years the longer the process takes. And I did it really slowly. It was one of the most painful experiences I've ever had. That patience is key. That reaction oftentimes creates a lot more pain. And that when you're unwinding relationships in your life that once mattered, that sometimes they do just have to end because they're toxic and the other thing is not something that's allowing process. But to keep an open mind to being able to do things slowly and gracefully by understanding that there are two sides in any sort of separation and that the other person is probably in an equal amount of pain. Mm -hmm. And if you can just stay close to your compassion for yourself and for the other person and take it one step at a time, that there could potentially be a new relationship that is better and different and that's what i have learned and i've also learned that there for me um i haven't talked about my divorce mostly because i really want to protect him and i don't think that it's a lot of like you know the world knowing things you know Somebody told me a while ago that one of the most Googled things was Taryn Doomy Divorce and you can't find it. And I was like, that's a challenging thing to hear. Wow. You know, but it's on, it's on purpose and we have a really beautiful relationship now. And I think it's because we did it so slowly. It was so painful. And the, the idea that you can reimagine if that person really mattered to you that there could be another way, but that you have to do it slowly. You know, I think a lot of times people just throw the bomb And they explode it. They do things to make it end. And then there's so much more pain after, but you can really heal, you know? You can heal by doing it a certain way. My parents got divorced and never talked again. And I know I didn't want to do that. But, you know, the evolutionary journey is interesting when you're partnered with someone, is that if, if you're on a path and somebody else is not on the path with you, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that it's wrong. But that sometimes people can catch up and you bounce along and you you go and the other person goes and you go down a little, and you go down a little. And like, but sometimes the separation of the two becomes too far apart and you have to reimagine a new way, you know, and um, it was very challenging. And I definitely had a period of acting out where I was not taking care of myself. I was in so much pain that I was just going out and I was just like not taking care of myself. And I think the takeaway is that when you're going through a really challenging time, that that self-care feels so far away and that's okay, but find it. Mm -hmm. Don't self-destruct because it's easy. It's easier to self-destruct. It's harder to go slow, but it lasts and it makes the forward
0: that much better, you know? Mm-hmm. So take care, you know? Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. yeah. Um, last question for me. Is there anything that you are, are ready to
2: reclaim? I mean, so many things come up from my mind, you know? The reclaiming, it's like the mind wants to like say the right thing, mm-hmm. you know? And like, that's not really what it's about at all. It's like... I guess coming up because of all these things that we we talked about but just reclaiming a, the this like this sense of that I am okay you know that word has come up a lot for me lately when I feel a lot of this everything that we've all been feeling the complexities of it like the hand on my body and like I am okay you know mm. because the mind just goes like what's gonna happen yes. needs to know you know and the reclaiming feels like it needs to be this massive thing but I think it's mm-hmm. just that mm-hmm. simple yeah. you know Beautiful. Mm.
1: <sighs> <laughs> we got let it let it oh, rip man. we so suggest grateful. all of you doing that as well um we are such huge fans of the class it's changed my life yes um natalie was on the podcast four years ago that one was about grief we'll put that in the show notes but this has been lovely i'm really grateful that we were able to meet you we've heard such mm-hmm. great things about you um exceeded all expectations and i'm so grateful for all of
0: our listeners for
1: intellectualizing and then feeling it all <laughs> in the class.
0: Truly, yeah, truly. And you. if you haven't tried the class, I mean, we digitally, I, 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 you know, it's always so hard because it's like, I used to teach soul cycle. So when you're in the room, there's something there, but I just want to commend you for being able to retain the spirit of a class online. I think mm-hmm. it's so powerful and to think about people all over the world having access to it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh God, yeah. thank you. Like yeah. it's really beautiful. So you out there listening, if you haven't tried, Thank go you. for it. Yeah. yeah.
2: And if you do try it, theclass.com. Yes. Can you even that? I got that URL. I
0: know. I got Can that early you on. even? Butterfly Guy in Florida. <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> nice.
2: uh, you hook up to a loud speaker. Yes. Set your room up. Mm-hmm. There's 120 live classes a week, which is so fun because you know you're doing it with so many other people around yes. the world. And then all this on-demand stuff, which like music clubs and, you know, but set it up, just, it's easy. Yes, you know? so yeah. yeah. Thank you.
1: Beautiful, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much, Taryn. That was such a beautiful conversation. You can
0: find more information about Taryn Toomey's The Class at theclass.com. And thank you to all of our sponsors on this episode. If you're new to the podcast, Krista and I vet brands that we truly use and believe in. And today's episode is supported by Dry Farm Wines, Nutribullet, BetterHelp, House of Wise, and Hum Nutrition. Thank you all for supporting these brands, for supporting us. And we will see you on the next episode. Yeah, we'll see you soon. We love you. Bye. you.